0: or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. It's really so good to be together with you this morning. One Sunday closer to glory. Amen? Yes. Thankful for... Those of you who are with us for the very first time, I'm thankful to have some new visitors among us today. If this is your first time with us, we're glad you're here, and we would love to connect with you after the service. Outside, we've got a a, a guest connection table, and we'd love just to catch your name and hear where you're from and how we can be praying for you. We are busy with a series on why we love the local church. We are talking about some reasons. Why we love the church, because as we have seen thus far, the church is the redeemed, assembled, gospel-centered community of believers who know that it is through the church that God is going to finish what He has started, just as Alan has prayed. If we look at God's big plan to establish His kingdom and fix this broken world, then we see that in the age that we are living in right now, that God is still busy establishing His kingdom through the local church. He is advancing His plan of saving people and uniting people from all different tongues and nations under the headship of Christ through His church. Which means... You can't read the Bible and notice and not notice that God is very, very passionate about His church. And God is very protective of His church. And sometimes it's helpful to think of pictures when we think about the church. And one helpful picture is to think about the church as a kind of embassy. An embassy. Think with me for a moment about what an embassy is. With so many foreign countries, even represented in our church here today, I'm sure that we're all pretty familiar with what an embassy is. I mean, an embassy is an institution that represents one nation inside of another nation, right? I think we all understand that. I mean, just across the street here, we have the Embassy of Canada, Here in Hatfield, Pretoria, and what this Canadian embassy does is that it represents and explains what Canada's interests are to South Africa. The people at this embassy are to represent the interests of their home country. But think with me. What do all believers call home? What do we as believers call home? Philippians 3, verse 20, Paul says, But our citizenship is where? In heaven. In heaven. Because all of us have been rescued by Jesus Christ, and those who have placed their trust in His work on the cross, recognize that our real home is in heaven with Him. Which means if we think of the church as a kind of embassy, then we are to be representing our homeland, heaven, to the rest of the world. The church is to be a taste of heaven where everyone is worshipping Jesus and exalting Jesus because that is what is happening in heaven right now. Many of you know what it's like to leave your country where you were born and come to a place like South Africa. And for many that requires that you get asylum papers or some sort of stamp, and your passport, some sort of document, recognition, that you can be in this country. Now, with the church, we, who are believers in Jesus, are strangers and aliens in this world, as the Apostle Peter would say, as we wait for Jesus to come back to establish His kingdom fully. But while we are waiting to get to our homeland in heaven, there is a place or a community where the citizens of heaven can also find official recognition and asylum. And that is through the embassy of the local church. In other words, as one man explains, the local church is a real-life embassy set in the present that represents Christ's future kingdom and His coming universal church. You see, and just like the, an embassy has a responsibility to recognize who belongs to that country, so the church has the responsibility to publicly recognize who is part of God's heavenly homeland. That is why today we are going to talk about church membership. Church membership. Because the way we understand church membership influences how we relate to Jesus, and how we relate to His church. See, one of the challenges we have is actually with the word membership. One of the challenges is that in the self-centered world that we live in right now, many people think that church membership works like a gym membership. It's just something you can sign up for when you want and use when it's convenient for you. Which means if you have a wrong view of church membership, then most likely you have a wrong view of church. Because church isn't this voluntary association where membership is this optional choice. As we will see today, you can't be in Christ and not in the church. Because sometimes people think about church as a place that simply provides a service, you know. It's a place where I can go to now and again to get the spiritual boost that I need. Which usually means those kinds of people are not committed to being at church because they only come when they need something. Because if you think about church as just this club that you join, then essentially people are looking for the benefits of being a member but not the responsibilities. We like the benefits, but we don't like the responsibilities. And in a me-centered world, people get the idea that they can even be baptized, but they don't have to commit to a local body. They prefer to hop around from one church to the other to satisfy whatever fellowship or worship itch they have. And this casual attitude toward church membership also means that some people think that it's no problem to take communion without being an official member of God's church. And the same casual attitude then impacts relationships. Whereas we said last week that people are happy to be at church for a few hours on Sunday, but they are not really connected with other people during the week. Because a self-centered attitude toward church membership is then also evident when people are living their lives and making their own decisions, thinking that you're basically your own authority. I can do whatever I want to do without considering the implications of your decisions on the people around you. Because if you don't feel the responsibility toward others in the church, then it's easy to just live life by yourself. One day you're here, the next day you're gone and you've moved to another province or even another country and no one knows about it. And so today we want to take some time to consider why it is important to commit to a local church through becoming an official member of a church. One of the reasons we love the local church is because it's where I know who my forever family is. And today is another topical message, which means we are going to be looking at a bunch of different passages in the Bible. Because if we have a right view of church membership, then it will help to shape our Christ-centered approach to life and be faithful representatives of our heavenly homeland. So let us ask the Lord to help us. Let's start by praying right now that God would help us understand what it means. To be a church member. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are the author of life. You are the sustainer of life. You are the one who is glorious and worthy of worship through all that we say, think or do. We confess that often the world seems to be more important to us than you. And so we ask you now that you will conform us to your truth. May You use Your Word right now to shape our minds and our hearts and bring us into conformity with Christ through the powerful Spirit at work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, if you look at the Bible and you look for verses on church membership, then many people will say... I don't see anywhere that there's such a thing as a church membership process. Where does it say you need to fill out some forms, or where does it say that you need to have an interview before you can become a member and serve other people? You see, and even though you won't find explicit verses that answer those kinds of questions, what you do find is that the New Testament has a lot to say about what it means to be a member of a local church. See, and the first reason why membership and committing to a local church is so important is because it is assumed in the Bible. It is assumed in the Bible. In other words, when you look at the life of the early church, you see that when someone became a believer in Jesus, it meant that they were the church. They didn't join the church as much as they were the church. I mean, think about it again. We've looked at this before. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, where people are coming from all different parts of the world, different nations are coming together, and they're coming to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And we know that this is a dramatic moment. God is pouring out His Holy Spirit, and people start speaking in different languages. And with this diverse audience now in front of him, the Apostle Peter steps up and he starts to preach the word. He's explaining what is going to happen with God's pouring out of the Spirit and he's quoting scripture from the prophet Joel. And then he challenges his audience to think about who they actually crucified. He says in Acts 2.36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, whom you crucified. Instead of people picking up stones and and throwing it at Peter, the Holy Spirit gets to work in people's hearts, busy doing heart surgery. Because what happens? The next verse, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. You see, the people were convicted. And so they turned to Peter and asked, what should they do? Verse 38, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what happened. People recognized that they, that the Jesus they crucified was actually the Lord of heaven and earth. And so as a result, we read in verse 41, So those who received his word were baptized and they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And here's the progression I want you to notice. First there's preaching, then people repenting and being converted, then they are baptized, and then verse 41 says they were added. Added to what? To the church, the family of God. You see, we read back in Acts one fifteen that the early followers of Jesus were together and they amounted to 120 people. We are given the actual details of the number of people here. But then in Acts 2, with this God pouring out His mighty Holy Spirit and using the preaching of His Word, that number grew where approximately how many? 3,000 people were added. Which means... Someone was counting. Someone was counting. Someone was keeping track of who belonged to the church. And then as you keep reading Acts, you see that this group of people were already very different from the the people around them. Acts 2.44 And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. These were people who were representing an entirely different world. A heavenly one. And look at what the early church did in terms of worship. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together. They would come together for worship, but they would also break into smaller groups. And breaking bread in their homes, it says. In other words, they were all together at the temple, but they also broke up into smaller groups and met in people's homes. And again, what happened? And the Lord added to their number. Day by day, those who were being saved. They were keeping track of who was part of the church. Because to be a believer means that you are part of the church because you are the church. And as you continue to read Acts, persecution comes against the church and the lordship of Jesus, and Christians were scattered into other regions outside of Jerusalem, but we see God using that persecution, where people publicly identified with Jesus and the church to advance the church. Many people were being added to the universal church, but in all these different regions, you have these smaller embassies, local churches, who together were the church because of being united to Jesus and to one another. I mean, think of how Paul writes his letter to the church in Corinth. And look at how he describes his audience in the very first verses. He says, Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. See, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth. He's writing to a local church of believers who are together in Corinth. Believers who are the church because of what Jesus has done and continues to do. He says, those sanctified in Jesus. Which is a way of saying, those who have been separated from sin. Because of Jesus and who are called to be saints together. In other words, he is writing to believers, saints, and the word saint is set apart ones, who are called to congregate together. He's writing to the local church and its members, but then at the same time he recognizes they are part of God's universal church. Because he says, with all those in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. See, Paul recognizes that there is a local church, but that that local church is part of God's bigger universal church. And the point I'm trying to make is that in the New Testament, when someone becomes a believer in Jesus, they were part of the assembled church of God because of being in Christ and united to other believers. Nowhere in the New Testament do you have this idea that you can become a believer and not be part of the church. Nowhere do you find believers who have been truly united to Jesus Who want to live their lives without making a commitment to the local church. Because if you're saved, you are part of the church because you are the church. And it's also clear that through all the different letters in the New Testament that people were part of local churches while being part of God's universal church. And so this idea that I can go to church but not really be committed to a local church would not make sense to anyone in the early church. In fact, as I mentioned earlier, that there was a great cost of being a member of God's church. People were being persecuted for being recognized as being part of the church. I mean, we read of countless stories in church history that men and women were willing to die in order to be baptized into the church and be recognized as being a member of the church. Which honestly is a very different attitude than treating membership like joining a club or a gym. That is because if God grabs hold of your hearts, you want to be associated with Him no matter the cost. Which means you want to be committed to His church no matter the cost. Because you know that He is committed to His church. God wants His people to be clearly distinct from the world around them. A church becomes confusing when membership is not clear in the church. Because you would agree with me that it's easy to say that you're a Christian. You often come to church now and again, but you live as if the world is your home. I mean, some people have come to this church, Living Hope, maybe once or twice, and then you only see them a couple of years later. But they will tell everyone that Living Hope is their church. They are a member of this church. That's why another reason why church membership is so important is because, number two, it makes clear who is part of the church. It's assumed in the Bible, but it makes clear who is part of the church. And I think we all would agree that just because someone comes to church doesn't mean they're a Christian. I mean, think of the great crowds that followed Jesus while He was busy with His earthly ministry and doing all these incredible miracles. Not everyone was willing to consider the cost of what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. And you see that in people's understanding of church membership. Because if we think of church as an embassy, then we recognize that a church member is someone who is an official passport-carrying representative of Jesus. In other words, a church member is someone who has been recognized by the church as being a true follower of Jesus. Because God has decided to give the church with leaders who help people to understand if they have in fact counted the cost of following Christ. Think of the Apostle Paul as he writes to the elders who are on Ephesus. In Acts chapter 20, verses 28, famous verse, he says this, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. You see, there's a few implications from what Paul says here that help us understand the reality and the importance of church membership. First, Paul says that Elders in the church exist. Overseers in the church exist because the Holy Spirit has made them overseers. In other words, it is God through His Spirit who has placed these men in the position of leadership in the church. And what are these overseers to do? They need to pay careful attention to their own walk with God, their own holiness, But also to care for the holiness of the flock that the Holy Spirit has put in their care. Because Paul says they are to care for who? The church of God. And why is this such an important task for elders and those who are placed in their care? Because Paul says, which he obtained with his own blood. As far as possible, God wants the church to be clear about who belongs to Jesus because He was willing to send His Son and have Him slaughtered so that He could purchase sinful people like me and you to make us part of His church. So that we who were far off could be brought near through the blood of the cross. And God wants elders to know who they are to care for because of how precious His people are to Him. And so church membership and submitting to the leadership of a local church helps to make that clear. First Peter 5 is 2. Peter said that the elders are to do what? Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Among you. Which is another way of saying, elders in the church are to exercise oversight over the blood members of God's church who are among them. Who are congregating with them. And one way we know who is a blood member of God's church is by just sitting down and hearing how God has worked in your life. And how He has opened your eyes to the truth of the gospel. To hear the testimony of how you are willing to pledge allegiance to Jesus and his church, no matter the cost in luke fourteen twenty six Jesus turns to this great crowd of people who are following him, and what did he say to them? Famous passage: If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes. Even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Which is like Jesus having this large group church membership class and wanting people to recognize that if they're going to follow him and be part of his church, that he needs to be the greatest love. He needs to be the greatest priority. And he needs to be the greatest authority. You see, Jesus is not saying that believers should turn against their own family. He's trying to make the point that a relationship with Him is more important than any of those relationships. So I like how one man says, He says, Christ doesn't call us to join a church, but to submit to a church, because then we are submitting to the authority of Jesus. In other words, Jesus has given authority to the church to be able to make it clear who are his true followers. Because for unbelievers, the church is something you have time for, maybe if it fits into your schedule, if there's room, and you're not so busy with all your other social activities. But for the true Christian, it's different. Because once you have chosen to follow Christ, because of Christ working in your heart, you must also choose His people. It's a package deal. They go together. Therefore, church membership is a matter of recognizing the authority of Jesus in the church and a willingness to submit to what He says. To submit to how He is designed for His people to be cared for, and to be loved on by one another and by the leadership in the church. That's why Peter goes on to say that the elders are instructed not to exercise their leadership in a domineering way, like the government does, but to do it with gentleness and love. And church membership makes it clear who are to be cared for with such gentleness and love. Because when we understand the authority of Jesus, then it's not a case of, should I become a member of the church? It's a case of, I must become a member of the church, and I want to become a member of the church. Because imagine a dad just driving down the neighborhood, calling his children to come home for dinner. And as he's calling, he isn't sure he's going to respond and come home. Versus a dad who calls his children by name. Church membership means we call you by name. Church membership makes it clear who belongs to Jesus. And who is committed to Jesus. And who is submitting to Jesus. Because the great shepherd has made a way for his flock to be fed and nurtured and even disciplined. Through the design of the local church. Isn't that why the author of Hebrews says that the recognized member of God's church should not neglect to meet together? Because what does he say next? Hebrews 10.25. As is the habit of some. Church membership makes it clear who are the people who need to be exhorted to obey the commands of God and not neglect to meet together on a regular basis. Because God knows that even people who are his true followers can make it a habit of neglecting of being together. Who neglect to be part of his community. Which is why another reason why church membership is important is because it helps us to live out God's design for the church. It's assumed. It helps us recognize who is part of the church. But it also helps us to live out God's design for the church. See, when we're connected with other believers, the Bible gives us pictures of this connection in many different ways. Listen to all the different metaphors we find about the church in the Bible. The church is often described as a body, a flock of sheep, a temple or building, a family, a bride, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, salt of the earth, or branches of a vine. And the thing with each of these metaphors are that they describe how united the people of God are and what church members are like. For example, when we say the church is a family, it means there is this relational kind of intimacy that exists between the people in that family. Because being family is pretty significant, right? No one usually decides, hey, I want to be part of your family for a while, and then when things get tough, you decide, you know what? Let me rather go be part of that family. would be pretty strange if my son says, hey dad, I'm leaving today. I'm going to go stay with those guys. I want to be part of their family for a while. He's shocked. He's like, I'll never do that. You see, when we talk about church as family, we are saying that we share in the same identity. We share in the same identity as being children of God. Which has implications of how we relate to one another. See, when the church is described as the temple of God, it is described as a union where we share in the special presence of God. Where His Spirit dwells together in our hearts. The church is often described as a flock. Where Jesus is our great shepherd. And this picture of protection and and administration comes to our minds because of all the passages in the Bible talk about how the flock of God needs to be guarded and be kept together. And so as you think about it, all these metaphors only make sense when we are together. One sheep does not make a flock, does it? One brick doesn't make a building. One limb doesn't make a body, and one individual does not make a family, which means you can't fulfill the obligations you have as a member of God's church without being with other believers. I mean, think again of what Paul said to the church in Corinth in chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he's talking about the church being a body, the metaphor of a body. He says, 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. As the foot should say, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. I think Paul's point is pretty clear. Your commitment to the local church is to be something that is visible and tangible and lived out together. Christians can't say that they belong to Jesus, but they don't belong to other Christians. Christians can't say, I submit to the authority of Jesus, but I don't want to submit to His design for the local church. In other words, you need a body to be the body of Christ. You need a body to be the body of Christ. And to be a body, you need a hand, You need a foot. You need an eye. You need all these different parts. Because if you're not part of a local church, then how will you be able to obey the command that we saw last week to love others the way Jesus loves us? How will you be able to carry other people's burdens like we saw back in Galatians chapter 6? How will you be able to use your gifting for the good of others if we don't know who are the hands and feet and the other parts of the body that we are to serve. We know that Peter writes and says to the church, 1 Peter 4, verse 10, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Because God has not only saved you and made you part of His church, He has also gifted you to be a blessing to the other members of the body in Christ. And church membership makes it clear who are the people that we are committing and serving. Who are the people that we seek to encourage? Who are the people we look to sacrifice for, like we said last week, because of understanding what Christ has sacrificed for me? Who are the people that I need in my life and who need me in their life? Because God in His sovereign plan has put us together in one family, one body, to display the realities of heaven. And I think we all could recognize that if you've been part of the church for a while, that the church isn't always heaven on earth, is it? Church isn't always this place that feels so interconnected and loving and holy. again, this is where the Bible helps us to see that because Jesus is the head of the church, we ultimately don't depend on one another, we depend on Him. All things hold together in Him. Colossians 1.17, Paul wants to encourage the church and so reminds them with what? He says, and He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. And He is the head of the body, the church. Because through His work on the cross, we have been made His body, His family, His temple, His people, His flock. Which means even as we struggle with church and some of the relationships we have with others in the church, we can find the strength to continue to love and to forgive and to serve others because we do it for Jesus. And so as we think about church membership, we recognize that it's important because it's assumed in Scripture. It makes clear who belongs to the church and it helps us to live out what God has made us in Christ. It helps us to live out the obligations we have as people who have been officially recognized as being true followers of Jesus. It helps us to carry the responsibilities of loving others and serving others so that we make Jesus look beautiful to people who don't know Him and who don't belong to the church. And so being a member of a local church is not just having your name on some sort of Excel sheet. When you become a member of a local church, you're saying, I want the church to shepherd me. I want to be encouraged, equipped, discipled, hold accountable to my profession of faith. Because even if the local church is a messy place, it is a reality of what is to come. It's the reality of what is to come. God is remaking this world into something beautiful and something new, and the church is a picture of what that future reality is. Because the church of Jesus Christ is full of members who are also ambassadors of that future reality. And so when someone commits and submits to God's design for the local church, they do so publicly. They do so publicly. In other words, they publicly affirm that they belong to this local body of believers. They also submit physically. Which means they make the commitment to show up and be with other believers. Not only on Sundays, but this can even affect where you live. Because when you commit to a local church body, you want to be part of that body as much as you can. And where you live can either help you connect with the people in this body or it can prevent you from connecting with other people. Because when we commit to and submit to a local church, we do so socially. This means that we surround ourselves with other members of the church who help us become more like Jesus. We spend time with people in the church who we learn from how to raise our children. Where we learn from each other how to love our spouse better where we learn from each other how to pray and give and make decisions to advance the gospel of Jesus. This also means that we submit to the church with our affections. In 1 Corinthians 12 again, in verse 25, Paul says, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If if any one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored... All rejoice together. In other words, church membership means that I'm committing and connecting with other believers so that when they hurt, I hurt. When they experience the good news of expecting a new baby, I rejoice with them. Because I commit to sharing my affections with this local body. We also commit and submit financially. We recognize that our finances are God's finances and that they are to be used for His glory. Which means that as being part of a local church, you commit in giving and supporting to the needs of the church in order to advance the gospel. And then we also commit to the church spiritually. This means that we not only use our spiritual gifts for the good of others, but we commit to be discipled and to grow and, and grow in our accountability towards one another. It means that when someone in the church is starting to stray from the church, what it means to be committed to the church and following Jesus, we will go after them. Because we love them. Because the local church is the primary place where we seek to help other believers fight against their sin and where we are open to receive help when we are stuck in sin. We help others and we ask for help. Which means we also commit to praying for one another. There are many believers who we can pray for in the world. But God wants us to commit and praying specifically for those who are part of the body of Christ as members of his local church. So being a member of a local church is not really optional, is it? It's biblical. It's not just seeking the benefits, but also carrying the responsibilities. That's why Jonathan Lehman, author of a good book on membership, says, Christ rules us in order to save us and saves us in order to rule us. And he does that through the local church. He is designed for the local church. If you are someone that regularly attends Living Our Church but yet not an official member, let me just ask you this, why not? What is stopping you? We love the local church because it's where we know who is our true family in Christ. And I'm thankful for all the members that we have here at Living Hope Church. I'm thankful for the ways we have rejoiced together. I'm thankful for all the ways we have cried together. And I'm thankful for the church membership process that helps you and I know if you are truly people who have counted the cost of following Christ. So let's pray and thank God for making us part of a body. A body that seeks to love and care for one another and be there for each other, knowing that Jesus is for us all the time. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your design of the church. Thank you that you are the head, Jesus. Thank you that as we look at Scripture, we are reminded of your beautiful design, that we are family, we are Together, a building, a a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Together, together, together. Father, it doesn't make sense to go through the Christian life all by ourselves when you have so fundamentally connected us to one another. Thank you for membership in the local church. Thank you that, that that is a blessing to us as members even the responsibilities we have to love one another and care for one another and serve others is a joy for us. Because in doing so, we, we get a taste of heaven. So Father, if there's anyone here today that is unsure about what it means to be a member of a local church, I pray, Lord, that through Your Spirit You would work in their hearts people who are truly saved are the church. And you call us to be together a picture of your love for this world. Thank you for church membership. Thank you for shepherds. Thank you for members who serve faithfully caring for one another, pouring out their lives for the good of the gospel. And thank you that we can know who is our family, our forever family. This pray.